What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Mask. Um, I'm Becca. I'm Chris. And today we are continuing our series on identity. So we are talking all about athletes and mental health because it is a topic definitely not talked about enough in the sports world. Um, and we just want to be really honest and open um, about real things in real life. Um, so today we have our guests, Carrie and Mel. So Carrie and Mel, Carrie, we'll start with you. Um, just introduce yourself, where you're from, what sport you play, all types of important information that our viewers need to know about you. Hi, I'm Carrie, and currently I live in Yardley, PA, and um, I go to Eastern University and I play soccer. And I'm Mel. I'm from Annandale, New Jersey. I go to Wheaton College in Illinois, and I play softball. Awesome. So, like I said, Carrie and Mel are here to talk about all things identity as it pertains to mental health. Um, so, Chris, you had a couple, just a little bit of information for us to get us going. Um, can you share that with us? Yeah, so last week we defined athlete identity, pretty much a degree to which somebody um, really identifies with their athlete role, right? And we talked about there's varying degrees from, you know, youth recreational athletes to college pro athletes. Um, but usually what happens is if you are exclusively identifying as an athlete, then we can, once that, once that identity kind of gets put on the back burner, you get hurt you're not part of your sport, whatever you get cut. We go into something called identity foreclosure. In other words, we're not open to anything else of what the world has to offer. We're not open to really exploring our identity in any way because we exclusively were rooting it in our sport. So that can be super damaging and dangerous for us as athletes or for anybody in general. Um, but random, not fun facts, but fact for everybody to know, according to like most recent data, about 35% of elite athletes will suffer from some sort of mental crisis that can be like stress, eating disorders, burnout, depression, and anxiety. So the number being as big as it is, it's something that never gets talked about. So we really just want to shed light on that um, and have Mel and Carrie share our, your guys' experiences with us. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, I'll put it back in your court, Carrie, and then Mel. Can you guys just tell us a little bit about your story as it pertains to identity and kind of your wrestling and your journey with the Lord in that? And also, yeah, like your story as it pertains to mental health too and kind of how the two went together for you. Yeah, so um, I have always kind of rooted my identity in my sport, especially being as a goalie. Like it's kind of all on, Chris knows, like it's kind of all on you. Like you get the limelight or you get the hate light. And I don't even know if that's a thing, but it's gonna make it a thing. But anyway, so um, yeah. And then growing up in a home where my sister is seven years older than me, also plays soccer. And then following her footsteps, being in the shadow of that. And, um, you know, following that up, but not well enough. Um, so my story is basically not being enough for anyone, not fitting in with the girls on the team, whether that be club, school, sometimes even college, and trying to discern, so where does God fit in that? 
and how do I retract myself? How do I still love the sport, but also come to this conclusion of, okay, I am an athlete, but that's not my identity. My identity is in Christ and still, even still wrestling through that. Yeah, so for me, mine's kind of a more, I guess, targeted scenario. But so I got my, what would have been my sixth concussion the summer before going to Wheaton. So I didn't play my freshman year. Um, and at that time, I was told that I could never play sports again. Um, yeah, in my senior year of high school, sports was who I was and softball was who I was. And when I thought that that was taken away from me, I just started searching the world for other things that would fill my soul. And I pretty much went to, went to the cross. Um, yeah. So throughout my freshman year at Wheaton, the Lord taught me the importance of holding on to things with open hands. And so when I hold my hands open, I'm ready to receive, but I'm also ready to give back. And um, yeah, so I was holding on to softball with very tightly clenched hands and wasn't willing to give it back up but yeah when my identity is rooted in the lord the world can give and take all at once but something that can never be taken away is my relationship with my heavenly father so yeah my freshman year at Wheaton was one of the hardest ones because i slipped into a pretty dark season of depression and anxiety and that's when that was pretty much at its peak just because I was searching for so long who I was and where I could find myself. But once I just came to the foot of the cross, that's where I felt the most filled. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the, the thing that we, we t touched on a little bit last week and going into it some more this week with identity, when we hit those crisis moments, it's so easy to then feel like we're alone in it, you know, and we don't talk about it because sports so often, you know, you got to perform it, you know, you don't have time to be emotional. You got to execute, you got to do this, you got to do that. And when we grow up in the sports world and we're kind of, our lives are built on sport. When we can't, when we feel like we can't talk about it, it's almost like we just get swallowed up by this, this overwhelming, oh my gosh, this is going on inside me. I don't know where to go from here. Um, and I think shedding light on that is so important. And again, like what these conversations are all about, having those me too conversations and it's okay to struggle and it's okay to wrestle. And Mel, I love what you said about just bringing it to the foot of the cross because that's where the freedom is. And that's where lives are changed and healing happens. Um, but we can't get there if we can't talk about it openly, one with our community and also with first and foremost, our heavenly father. Um, so kind of going off of that, you guys both brought scripture, um, to the conversation today. We always want to, you know, start and end these conversations on scripture. So can you guys share those with us? How has that been formative in your, in your wrestling? Yeah, so um, I was thinking about Genesis 1, 31, where it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And um, 
So I've been struggling throughout basically my whole life of not being enough for people, trying to reach that expectation of like even the lowest expectation of finally reaching that, okay, you're enough type of thing. Um, but, but God created the world and he created the sunrises and he created the trees and he created all of the living creatures on the earth. And he said, okay, these are good. But then he created human beings in his own image. And he said, okay, these people are very good and they haven't done anything and they're still very good. They, and he knew that we were going to sin, we we're going to fall short. And yet he still said, they are so very good in that, um, just that invigorates me. That makes me so excited that I don't have to try to be enough anymore because God has already made me enough. Yeah, so the verse that has kind of turned into my life verse ever since I went away to college is Ephesians 5, 8. And it says, for you were once darkness, but now you are a light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. So yeah, it wasn't until my senior year of high school that I really decided to pursue a relationship with the Lord and follow him. And I just love that verse because it could, for me, I feel like it can go two ways where I'm talking about me before following Christ, or it could be me yesterday. Like if I just had a really tough day the day before and did not pursue Christ at all, I'm still a child of light and I'm still made new in him. And it's just a reassurance of, again, where our identity is. And it's as children of light. So, yeah, that has kind of been a verse that I turn to all the time. Yeah, I love that. I love those. And just that that picture of the light and the darkness. Um, and just owning that we're children of light rather than you know, the dark thoughts or the dark, Mel, you talked about like that dark season of life. Um, and knowing that, you know, we, we face those, but we don't have to stay there. And as a child of God, like we are free to wrestle that out. And he meets us there in that darkness to pierce through it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts just on the conversation so far? And, and what do you think? Yeah, so I think what's super interesting, Carrie, you're talking about this idea of being enough, and I have a follow-up question to ask both of you, but before I say that, like, I think that's something that can so easily, um, in our kind of performative mindset as athletes, uh, can definitely be an Achilles heel. Like, we, we talked about this pretty much probably in every episode at this point of, you know, we, we need to perform, we're commodities, we have to do this, we have to do that, be good enough for whoever it is that we are trying to play for. And I think um, what's really cool in finding freedom in our relationship with Jesus, Carrie, that you were just saying is that we don't need to be enough. And the reality is if we talk about God as our standard, we're not enough, but that's why we have Jesus. So now we're more, so that he's more than enough and we can tap into that. So I think it's really cool. But my follow-up question to ask you guys is where, where do you guys think this, um, this concept of being enough how has that kind of affected you in your athlete life? And then how has, you know, your relationship with Jesus, how has that also affected this idea of being enough? What do we think? Yeah. So in like just sports life, trying to be enough for the coaches, trying to be enough for the, the teammates, it's, 
it's really degrading kind of because the people who I'm trying to be enough for aren't those people who I want to spend my time with, who I want to, um, yeah, who I would associate myself with on a regular basis. They're, um, I don't know. And I just had it in my mind that if I was finally enough for them, then they would accept me and then I'd be this whole new person. I'd be popular, be in this, like the cool crowd. Um, but I am not cool. I'm awkward and I'm weird and I make puns all the time. So that's, that's kind of who I am. Um, so I never really fit that mold, but, um, so transitioning to how that affected my relationship with Christ, I have always tried to be perfect in him and to be enough in him and to not make mistakes. But when I do, I beat myself up for it. And I saw this one thing on, on Instagram. It said, uh, when you go to your father and you mess up, you say, oh, shoot, I got to call dad um, or dad's going to kill me. And then when you call on God, he's, then you say, okay, I have to call God because I know that he can help me with the situation type of thing. I know for me, I've always struggled with comparison. So that is just an underlying effect of not feeling enough. Um, so in sports, like I have a brother who played D1 baseball and like, we're just a very athletic family. So I felt like I needed to one, live up to that standard of an athlete. And then throughout high school and throughout travel ball, there was just this competitive nature that I loved and I loved being competitive, but if I wasn't performing my best, I was a failure, like point blank, just a failure. Um, yeah. And then once, so I go to a Christian school and translating into my faith with comparison, I was comparing my walk with the Lord to everyone around me because it just seemed like everybody could pick like verse out of thin air that just happened to fit any situation and I just wasn't able to do that um yeah so I fell into a lot of comparing my walk with the Lord to other people's and then it just made me feel like mine wasn't good enough or I wasn't a good enough Christian and yeah so that's still something that I work through I'm not gonna sit here and be like yeah my faith is perfect and I don't compare myself anymore because I do um but since making that decision to every day that I wake up root my identity in Christ, it's been a lot easier to find that confidence in him. And this is also just kind of a random thought, but um, one of my friends who is interning for FCA, we meet once a week and we kind of just talk about what she's learning. And she had brought up that we have kind of coined the term of living our lives for God, which is great. And we should be living our lives for him. But if you change the word for to with, it just makes it so much more personal and doesn't feel like I need to, I mean, I should be living up to a standard, but there's a little bit less pressure, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So instead of like, oh man, like I lied to my brother today. I'm automatically a failure, but if I'm living with God, it's almost like that four comes naturally. So we put it in terms of playing our sport. So if I'm playing with God and I'm envisioning him on the field with me, the living for God is going to come naturally. 
so that was just another thing that kind of really stuck with me. No, that's so good. I've never, you never, again, you hear the word like for God so often and then, but you flip it and then that changes the whole meaning. Mm -hmm. It changes the relationship. It changes the mindset. Um, so kind of going off of what you guys were saying with this, this concept of enough and being enough for my team, being enough for my coach, being enough for my family, being enough for myself, and then being enough for God. Do you guys think that, that idea of having to be enough and finding our identity and our worth in that performance do you think that was one of the roots of these dark seasons? Um, do you think that can be a root of some mental health issues for athletes, for anyone? Um, just this idea of always having to live up to standards. Yeah, definitely. So when you keep on falling short of that not being enough, at least for me, I fell into um, depression and anxiety um, and ultimately not wanting to be alive any longer because of not living up to those expectations. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I have to say on that one. Yeah, I think worldly things are changing every single day. And when you root your identity in things of the world, there's no consistency and there's no security. Um, I also have a very similar story to Carrie, where my junior year of high school, um, I was ready to end my life. And I just didn't have my identity where it needed to be, and I didn't have that security again. Um, and Becca, you and I have talked about this before. Um, from my junior year until, I think like my sophomore year of college, I struggled really badly with an eating disorder. And that was, again, putting my identity in how I looked as a person and how I looked as an athlete and didn't fit or wasn't good enough to fit that certain athlete mold. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of times it is or can be the root of these dark seasons. Guys, again, for having this conversation, because like we said, like, these are, these are hard conversations to have and they're not had enough in life in general and especially in sports. So first of all, thank you for opening the door for this and for our viewers um, and the people who are, you know, gonna, gonna hear this conversation. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts? What are you, what are you thinking? Well, I think it's really interesting um, what both of you guys are saying of, you know, 100% like we get, we give the enemy a foothold every time we're like, pretty much we look at what God has created, Carrie, like you were talking about, and we're just like, it's not enough. And God's like, what? And the devil's like, yeah, let me just stop on that and jack up your whole life. So it's like interesting because um, I know, at, at least for me, like the, the biggest thing is one, always coming to terms with exactly what you were saying, Carrie, like he created us and nothing that he creates can't be good, right? God is perfect. So he created us perfectly, but we like, we'll listen to the world instead of listening to God. And then that create this comparison between us um, 
and the world. And then we create a deficit that wasn't there to begin with. So it's, it's really interesting to me of, you know, where, where mental health comes in because that's also something like, it's almost like we, this whole thing kind of spirals because we feel like we're not enough, but then we don't want to share that we are struggling with this stuff because we still don't want to look like we're not enough. So it's like a never ending cycle of silence and then you suffer in silence. Um, so I think it's really cool. Like Becca was saying earlier of being able to have a platform to have these conversations because we're seeing it everywhere in professional sport in like Kevin Love was probably the most outspoken of, Hey, you guys, we're not superheroes. And I think a lot of times athletes, people treat us like we're invincible and we can never deal with anything. But the truth is like, and our at us as athletes is what we do. It's not who we are. So that doesn't mean we can't deal with everything else that goes on. And um, Becca, the last thing I've told you this before, but one of my favorite sports psychologists of all time, his name is Michael Gervais. One of the things he always says is if you root your identity in sport, when you go perform, you put your identity on the line every single time, right? Because it's subject to change, Mel, like you were saying earlier. So I think it's an encouragement, at least from you guys, of uh, like Becca was saying earlier, meet like you guys have experienced it, so we know others have experienced it. So there's an open space and forum to talk about it. Um, but also, it's like a well, let's find a way to root our identity in something that is not subject to change, which is our relationship with Jesus, right? Because we know He's not shakable and He's never changing. So I think it's really cool. And I really want to, again, commend you guys for being vulnerable and honest with us about the stuff that you guys have experienced. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and going off of that, that, that process of, like Chris said, and I'll, you know, just reflecting on my own career and my own, you know, time, you have a double header and you don't, perform as an athlete again that standard of don't show emotion don't show weakness don't show that you're not okay and I know for me like I didn't know how to turn that off like I couldn't I couldn't walk off the field and then actually try to be human and admit that like I was really struggling and those nights after I went oh for five at the plate were some really dark nights and some really lonely nights and nights that, you know, again, you give the enemy a foothold and you just go and go and go and go and spiral. And suddenly you're in a really, really dark place because you didn't perform. And again, those roots of who I am, am I worth it is all dependent on what I do. Um, so yeah, I didn't, you know, just that, that darkness that just creeps in. Um, I identify with that so much. And I think so many, so many people can identify with that. Um, so can you guys take us a little bit through what your process of wrestling that out looks like? Um, you know, maybe, you know, what is it, what does it look like to actually start speaking those things out? Um, and bringing, bringing those things into the light and that kind of that healing process and that, that growing process with the Lord and with, with a community. Yeah. So like Mel, I've had concussions too. Um, and, um, last year was, I had my third concussion. Um, and it, 
so funny. God is so funny when he answers prayers. And I said, okay, God, I want to be the starting goalkeeper, but I also want to be humble. So, um, yeah, I was a starting goalkeeper, but I got a concussion. And then right when I got back, I played like a game and I was playing for myself and not for God. And then I pulled my groin and then I got back and then I was like, okay, I'm going to gonna play for God this time. But really in my heart, I wasn't playing for him. And then um, I sprained my ACL and that I was just done for the season. So in that, I was trying to find my identity outside of sports because I would always wear my Eastern gear everywhere I went on campus so that people would know, oh, she's on the soccer team. She's cool. But no one ever thinks that. No one's like, oh, she's cool because she plays soccer. No, people are more interested in, oh, she's cool because of who she is. She's cool because she's confident in her relationship with Christ. Um, and I started thinking about that and I would, and I just want to emulate that more so than being goalie. Um, and one time my friend, he said, um, hey, soccer goalie 26, because that was my original Instagram handle. And I was like, <laughs> this is the worst thing ever. I don't want to be known as soccer goalie 26. I want to be known as Carrie Phillips. I want to be known as Carrie. Um, and that was just like a huge, like, light switch. It was like, oh my goodness, I have to change my Instagram handle right now because um, I don't want to be known as that. I want to be known as, oh, she's a follower of Christ. I want to be a follower of Christ as well because not everyone can be a soccer goalie, but everyone can be a follower of Christ. So just trying to um, work through that with God. And even now in my junior year, I'm trying to think of, okay, so the season's over. Who can I be outside of soccer and how can I emulate the truth of Christ to others around me? Yeah, I think for me, it kind of really started my freshman year at Wheaton when I didn't play. God totally used that year to humble me so much and yeah, just giving me so many opportunities and he showed himself to me so much. Um, and then it almost felt like my sophomore year came around and he was like, okay, you can have softball back. Mm -hmm. And so I played my sophomore year and it was great. And I'm also incredibly blessed with the Wheaton softball team. Just being surrounded by believers makes it an atmosphere where we can admit our struggles and we can turn to any teammate and be like, hey, I'm really struggling today. Can you pray for me? And they'll pray for you right there on the field. Um, yeah, so I think the past two years playing has been very formative in just realizing it is okay to ask for help um, and ask for prayer because the power of prayer is insane. Um, yeah, so I think it kind of just really formed the year I didn't play and was really humbled. And then, yeah, I was just really blessed with great teammates. So, so important. And as you were talking, Mel, I was reminded of, and you alluded to it earlier, like the conversation we've had of, with, you know, eating disorders and body image and stuff like that you know, we started to have that conversation one day we were having a catch and I forget which one of us was like, Hey, I'm really hungry or like something happened. And I was just like, Oh yeah. Like food's hard for me. And you were like, wait. And suddenly like the door just opened. And up to that point, I had never admitted to a friend or a teammate 
to anybody that that was a struggle. And honestly, the freedom that I felt in that moment of being like, oh my gosh, like somebody I love, somebody I care about, another softball player is like, I just admitted that to them. And the freedom of those conversations of, hey, either I've struggled with it too, and I, you know, let's wrestle it out together. Or, hey, maybe I haven't been there. Maybe I, maybe my struggle looks different. But like you're saying with your teammates, like, hey, I'm going to walk with you through it. Hey, let's pray through it. Let's, you know, just meeting each other where you're at in the darkness, in the brokenness, in the hard is so, so powerful. Um, And I think that, you know, that's when I think the enemy gets, gets so nervous because suddenly we come together and we stand um, and, and yeah, we can, when we're weak and when we struggle, we can lean on each other and, you know, things change when, when we can admit, Hey, I'm not okay. And it's, and that's okay because now I'm going to surround myself with people who can, who can help me and just walk with me through this. So, so yeah, thanks for being you because that, again, like, that's just, that's something that I remember of like that changed the game for me to have, to have you. And I can't imagine, you know, you have a a team and, you know, teammates, friends, coaches, parents, whoever it may be in our communities to just walk through these, this darkness with us. Chris, what do you think? I always say I'm not going to talk that much on these and you guys just fire me up. So Chris, stop me from talking. What do you think? Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? We haven't shameless plugged FCA in a hot second, but this is an excuse to shameless plug FCA because this, this is like the stuff that happens whenever we have huddle leader training or random stuff that goes on in camp. Cause then we, it opens up a space for us to have conversations like this. I know Carrie, you and I had a similar conversation about the shared experiences at camp. Um, that was really just me being nosy and I was like, Carrie, let's talk. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's super interesting about, like, <clears throat> so I was going to ask you guys, if you had to give advice to anybody that struggling, whether it's it, with their identity as an athlete or their identity as a Christian, how do those two things go together, um, what would you guys say? What do you think? I feel like for, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Mel, you can go. Okay. <laughs> um, I feel like it kind of just goes back to what I said before, where just do life with God mm-hmm. and just just do it. Shout out Nike, I guess. But um, yeah, I just love the idea of doing life with our Heavenly Father. It just makes it so much more personal. So I feel like that's what, that's the advice that I would give. Yeah, it's not super elaborate, but just do it, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to steal Mel's. I'm just going to go for it and say there's so much more freedom in being able to play with God and for God rather than playing for your parents or um, or your coaches or I don't even know who else is watching. Um, but there's just so much freedom in playing for a God who isn't, who, 
He doesn't change his love for you based on your performance. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of going back, I'll put this back on you guys, doing it with God and just like that relationship, because it's all about the relationship, right? And I think a lot of times, I know for me, and we've, Mel, you talked about this a little bit earlier, that trying to perform for God and trying to, you know, we take, we talked about audience of one last week, you know, and I think if we're not careful, we can skew that too. And just like we try to perform and be good enough for our coaches and our teammates and our parents, try to be good enough for God. And that just skews and twists the purity and the truth and the freedom of the gospel and the relationship with, with Christ. Um, so going back to your point of doing life, doing sports with God, what does that look like compared to trying to achieve and be good enough for God? What is that? What's kind of the difference there? Would you guys say? Um, I think if you are trying to perform for God, your identity is still in your performance. It's not rooted in God. Um, So when you're playing with him or you're living your life with him, um, I just totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) Okay, sorry. There's a puppy downstairs and he's barking and it just, anyways. um, Yeah, if you're playing with God or you're, just doing life with him, it takes away that pressure and it takes away the possibility of rooting your identity in your performance because you're like, hey, I already know that going back to Ephesians 5 8, I know that I'm a child of light and I know that I'm yours and nothing I do is going to change that I am so incredibly loved by you. So I think there's, there is a huge difference between performing for God and living with God. So. Oh, that's so good. I love everything that you just said. And piggybacking off of that as well. Um, when we're living with God, we open our eyes to the other people who are also living with him or the other people um, maybe that aren't necessarily living with him, but are living with you in that moment. Um, so like community, you, uh, Mel and Becca, were talking about it earlier. Um, If God is like, hey, reach out to that girl on your team because she's lonely or there's just something a little bit not right with her at the moment, reach out. And so many blessings can come from that, even if it's just like a drink of coffee or it's just something maybe. And it doesn't matter if you can convert them at that moment. It's that that realization that they're also a child of God and that working through this together, this life together isn't easy. Um, But being that hands and feet for God as well is super important. Yeah, that's so good, guys. I love there's like there's so much gold in what you guys just said. I love it. Um so we are coming to kind of the end of this conversation. Um what do you guys think and Chris I'll start with you and then we'll just Chris carry them Mel what do you guys think just takeaways from this, this conversation? Um, where are your, where'd your heads go in this, you know, kind of key points. If we could, 
if we could sit down with our 13, 14, 15 year old selves and say something about this topic that we know now, um, what do you guys think it would be? Yes, I think the first thing that hit my head is three things, but it's a process. One, learn who Jesus is. Two, figure out who he's called you to be and be that instead of who the world says you are supposed to be. I think what's really tough in terms of being an athlete or even in terms of being a person in general, especially in the age of all things social media, what happens is everybody and their mom can tell you who you're supposed to be. But, the, but then we focus too much on that and we get away from who God has called us to be in the first place. But really that comes from, we don't have that relationship. Like Mel was saying earlier, we don't have that relationship in the first place. So we don't, we can't even answer the first question, which is who is Jesus? So I think that's like super important of, you know, we're Christ followers, but that doesn't mean our lives are going to be super easy right? We, we know that. He promised us that it wouldn't be, right? You know, John, what is it? John 16, 33 is like, in this life, you'll have, tr you'll have troubles, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Like, it's not about us with our fists, like, okay, devil, let's square up. That's not what it's about. What it is, is I'm on team Jesus and I'm going to follow him all the way through. So I think, yeah, like we always, we kept talking about processes and Becca, we love processes. So I would say like, that's probably the biggest thing if I had to talk to my 13-year-old Chris of learn who Jesus is, figure out who he's called you to be, and then be that instead of who the world says you should be. That's so good. I'm oh, sorry, Mel, you can go. <laughs> I also think that by rooting your identity in God, there's so much freedom that comes from that. And I actually wrote this down beforehand, but I just love everything about it. part of it's a quote. But anyways, um, I do think it's important to note that when we hear freedom in terms of finding freedom in Christ, it's not the same as the typical freedom one might think in terms of a worldly sense. Um, so like in Romans 6, Paul explains that we are all slaves and we are either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. And so the quote is by Michael Houdman, and he says, those who are slaves to sin cannot free themselves from it. But once we are freed from the penalty and power of sin through the cross, we become a different kind of slave. And in that slavery, we find complete peace and true freedom. So yeah, the only thing that can give us true peace and true freedom is not anything of this world, but rather by rooting our identity in the one who created us. So I feel like that's something that I would really have to pound into 13-year-old Mel. Also, so good. I love that. Um, yeah, so basically going off of what both of you said, um, trying to win the approval of other people that aren't followers of Christ or just trying to, um, trying to be enough for people isn't going to work. Um, and I probably tell myself, hey, it's okay to be yourself. It's perfectly cool because God, formed, I think it's Psalm something. He said that, um, that God formed you in your mother's womb and he knew you before you were even born. And um, like he created me to be this weird, punny, awkward person. 
and he created Mel to be this beautiful ray of sunshine who is artsy and then Becca, Octavia Spencer, basically-esque kind of person who is just so beautiful and calm and when you feel her presence, oh, it's so good. And then Chris, this insanely smart person who's just, oh my goodness, I don't even know what, how her brain works, but just an incredible person. Um, so he forms all of us and it's okay to be who you are and um, because he said it was very good. And so if he calls us very good, then why, why are you disowning that truth of yourself? Yo, I love that. So good. It's like, remember who you are and whose you are. Mm-hmm. And Carrie, that's just like, yeah, such gold, you guys. Um, and I think, I think for me, one of the biggest things that you guys have reminded me of and kind of going off of all your points is one of my favorite passages is in second Corinthians when it talks about taking every thought captive. Um, and Mel, I thought about that when you mentioned like we're being a slave to righteousness and what does that look like? And these dark thoughts that come in and this, you know, the temptation to root our identity in performance when that performance or in sport when that doesn't, when that's not going well or not going according to expectation, the kind of that spiral um, that we find ourselves in. And I think, I think for me, if I could tell my college self or my high school self or, you know, myself yesterday um, would be, you know, these thoughts come in and, you know, as a, as someone who's being obedient to Christ, the slave to righteousness, somebody who's walking in the light, light, it's then our job to identify that thought, take it captive and, and make it obedient to Christ and, and flip the switch and, and just fight, fight those thoughts with the truth and the truth of who we are and who Christ says he, he is and who he says we are. Um, and I think, yeah, I think everything I I'm going to stop talking because everything you guys said is just perfect. And if I try to like explain it out in my head that I'm just going to butcher everything because you guys just have so much gold and so much wisdom and you can just tell that there's a history with God. Um, and it's just this, like this, these imperfect processes that we've all gone through and we've all have this story and there's messy middles and there's darkness, but I think those encounters with the darkness and those dark places, when we bring them before the Lord set us up for an encounter with the light. Um, And that, you know, the story is so powerful and can then be used to, you know, go break into the darkness of someone else wrestling. Um, so thank you guys again for being here, um, for speaking light into the topic of mental health and identity in sport. Um, you guys are the best. I love you guys. I'm th- just in awe of your stories um, and just who you guys are. So thank you again for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. You guys for- are awesome. Come again. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, part two, three, four, and five, please. Here's, here's the problem. We keep saying there's going to be a part five for, like, for every time we have a guest on. So <laughs> it is what it is. But you guys are awesome. Well, um, so, yeah, you guys will 
put these guys, um, like social media, IG, whatever in information in the show notes at the bottom. You guys get with that? Yeah. Um, if you have questions at all, hit them up, hit us up. Uh, yeah, we'd love to chat with more with you guys about all things, anything really, identity and sport, mental health and sport, all that stuff. Know that you guys have community with us. We've been talking about that. That's the buzzword of the day. So know that you have that with us. You can chat with us and we would just love to walk with you through all that stuff too. Cool. Awesome. Thank you guys.